0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode one of the Muscle on Russell podcast. Today, we're going to talk about the Ravens offseason, as well as the Orioles season so far, among some other topics. So stay tuned. We'll see you after a word from our sponsors. And we're back, ladies and gentlemen. So once again, this is the Muscle on Russell podcast. I'm Josh, and I'm your host for this show. So... Uh, first episode man this is pretty interesting pretty different um used to doing other stuff not besides this um but it's gonna be a learning process for now we're very bare bones i got some stuff i gotta learn how to work on but other than that we will be developing together so stick around and uh hopefully we can you know do a thing so first and foremost let's start with news from the bank uh we're going to start with the Ravens draft today. Um I'm just going to give you some of my thoughts about it. Uh There's going to be a lot of uhs and ums in this, I can see it now. Uh All right. Well, <laughs> this is going to be very rough, very bare bones stuff right now because it, I'm not it's it's so hard for me to just ramble. Um I'm trying to work on it. I'm trying to get better at it, but um you know, we'll see where it goes. We'll we'll get better together. And uh, you guys can give me some feedback, give me some tips, if you guys have any, on how to do better. But uh, let's get this started with the Ravens draft. So, first round, pick 27, we picked up Rashad Bateman, wide receiver from Minnesota. Then we also had a second first round pick, number 31, Adafe Owe, edge rush from Penn State. Then, a pick that I'm happy about. Uh, round three, pick ninety-four, Ben Cleveland, guard from Georgia. Then we picked up a corner from SMU, Brandon Stevens. Round four, Tylen Wallace, wide receiver, Oklahoma State. Number five, round five, pick one hundred and sixty, quarterback, not quarterback, cornerback, Sean Wade from the Ohio State University. Another fifth-round pick, number 171, Dalen Hayes, defensive end or edge rush, most likely in our system, uh, from Notre Dame. And our last pick of the draft was round five, pick 181, Ben Mason, tight end from that team up north. If you guys can't tell, I'm an Ohio State fan. Uh, so, my thoughts on this, uh, I, I am in a... I'm a very... I'm... How do I put this? I am in the minority when it comes to um, the thought process behind of, oh, the Ravens need more wide receivers. I was very much against – not against it, but to spend a first-round pick on it, I wasn't too big about it. Uh, I hear – I heard high praises about uh, Rashad Bateman, so – can't complain too much we'll see what he turns into the two main picks that I'm really happy about was the second first round pick and our third round and our first third round pick uh, Dafe Owe, edge rush from Penn State um, and Ben Cleveland guard from Georgia respectively uh, because in my opinion those are our two biggest needs uh, from the season uh losing Orlando Brown was a big thing I mean we we'll get into that in the next segment uh uh, But losing guys like Orlando Brown and not really having someone even close to the caliber of a Marshall Yonda has been hurting us a lot. Um, And pass rush has been a weakness for us really for years at this point. We haven't had a solid pass rusher since uh, Terrell Suggs kind of slowed down. So... I'm I'm more happy about seeing pass rushers and offensive linemen at this moment than I am seeing any other position, because um, like even like Sean Wade, as much as I love seeing Ohio State guys come to Baltimore, um, I I think our secondary was pretty set, not set, but we were we have a pretty good secondary, so I don't know completely about you know picking up secondary in that but i'm not going to complain too much um don't really know too much about the other guys to be honest um but that was the ravens draft um overall i'd probably give it a solid b i mean i know i'm like months late on it but i'll give it a solid b because we we picked up spots where we needed it and uh ravens uh rookie camp went by and uh OTAs went by and I heard good things about them, so just hopefully we'll continue with that. And then we're gonna go deposits and withdrawals from the bank. This is the, the this is essentially my ins and outs for the Ravens. Uh, deposits we got uh, guard Kevin Zeitler. Uh, he was a giant. He was on the Giants. Solid guard. Happy to see that. Uh, Sammy Watkins, I was pretty surprised about, honestly. I know that rumor mill was going around that we were going to get Sammy Watkins, but I was pretty surprised in the first place. And another one I'm excited about is tackle Alejandro Villanueva. Um, I know he he supposedly fell off uh, last year for Pittsburgh, but um, I'm excited to see offensive linemen come in. I'm, I'm a big uh, in the trenches kind of guy, so I'm not going to complain whatsoever about... Uh, Tackle or any t- kind of offensive lineman, honestly. Because uh, the Ravens are built around a strong run game, and I think that's what we need to build around. So I think it's good to see uh, offensive lineman come in. Uh, we also extended uh, Nick Boyle, Derek Wolf, Tyus Bowser, LJ, and LJ Fort. You know, um, solid guys, especially Nick Boyle. Nick Boyle needed to be extended. He's such a huge part of this team. Uh, Derek Wolf, solid player. Tyus Bowser really started coming on last year. Um, not in the role that I thought he was going to either. I mean, they still have him for pass rushing, but I was surprised at his coverage skills last year because he had, uh, I don't know the exact number of picks, but he had a few picks last year, which was really surprising. And LJ Fort, solid linebacker, um, always since he came to the Ravens, he's been a solid linebacker. So I'm happy about that. Uh, withdrawals, uh, Yannick Ngakwe, Matt Judon, and Morgan Cox. Ngakwe to the Raiders, Judon to the Pats, and Morgan Cox to the Titans. And uh, the one I'm heard over the most is uh, Yannick Ngakwe because even though he wasn't the greatest last year, uh, I think he if he would have stayed in the system, he would have learned better because he only had half a season with um, Wink. And I think uh, some more time in the system could have done him good. Also, get. Letting go to a guy like Morgan Cox, a bet in my opinion, is the best long snapper in the entire league. Um, kind of sucks, but you know it. It is what it is, man. Long snappers are, you know, usually not a huge uh thing to worry about, but you know, we'll we'll see how next season goes. Next, the NFL schedule release, and no one behind on that as well. But it is what it is we're behind on everything right now. This is probably be both the easiest and the hardest episode I do because this is the first episode, so I'm kind of raw with it, but at the same time I have a lot to talk about in this. So, let's go through the schedule. And the NFL is up to a 18-week season, so this should be a change. So, first off, preseason home against the Saints, away against the Panthers, away against Washington. So, I mean, I'm not going to go too in depth about those um it is what it is. I mean, preseason's preseason. You get the guys to put some work in, but other than that, it's not really too necessary. Now, on to the regular season. We start the season off uh, on Monday Night Football at the Raiders. Then we we have Sunday Night Football, home against Kansas City. Then away at the Lions, away at Denver. Monday Night Football, home against the Colts. Home against the Chargers. Home against Cincinnati. Week 8 is our bye Week 9, home against the Vikings. Uh, Week 10, Thursday night football away against Miami. Week 11, away versus Chicago. Uh, 12, Sunday night football home against Cleveland. Uh, Week 13, uh, away against Pittsburgh. 14, away against Cleveland. 15, home versus Green Bay. Uh, Week 16, away versus Cincy. 17 home against the Rams, and then finish the season off week 18 home against Pittsburgh. So, um, not too bad of a uh, of a schedule there. I mean, it is what it is. Uh, the way it lines up, uh, because what's really strange about the schedule is. If these teams are close to what they were a season before, then we have we have a solid schedule. We have something that we can benefit from. But if these teams really take a big step, then the Ravens mm, not not going to be in trouble, but we're going to struggle. Not struggle, but we're going to be a little more rough around the edges than what we were. But... I'm gonna go through my predictions now of how the season is going to go. So, home against the oh, away against the Raiders. Uh, I think we take the win on that. Um, Raiders are starting to become a little more of a solid team now, but I, don't, I still don't think it's enough to win against us. Uh, week two against Kansas City. I gotta give us the loss. To be honest, um, I mean it's Kansas City. Something something about Patrick Mahomes. And the Kansas City Chiefs against the Ravens, we can't do anything against. So, it kind of sucks, but it is what it is. And then we're going to go on a nice little win streak. Uh, How am I going to do this? 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 9, 10, 11, 12. Those aren't the games that we're going to be... Those are the weeks. So, weeks... Three through 12. So, week three, away against the Lions, win. Week four, away against Denver, win. Week five, Monday Night Football, home against the Colts. I think that's I a win. Uh, week six versus the Chargers, win. Uh, week seven versus Cincy, win. Week nine against the Vikings, win. Week 10 against Miami, win. Week 11 against Chicago, win. Week 12, Sunday Night Football, home, Against Cleveland, win. Then, uh, weeks thirteen and fourteen. I think the Ravens going a little losing streak away against Pittsburgh, loss. Week fourteen, away against Cleveland, loss. Because it seems a lot of the time, especially recently, now that these, um, uh, like Cleveland really started picking up steam from being, you know, the laughingstocks of the league to where they are now. I uh, think now is a time where it's going to be a lot like it's been against Pittsburgh where we split the games. So, but we, in my opinion, we went out the rest of the season, home against green Bay, win, Home against, away against Cincy, win, home against the Rams, win, and then home against Pittsburgh, win. Uh, that's give us a 14 and three record, but I will say this there, in my opinion, there's a possibility we go 12 and five. And that comes down to if Aaron Rodgers is still with Green Bay. At this point, we still don't know that yet at, at the date of this recording. And if Herbert plays well with the Chargers in Week Six, I know we're at home, but at the same time, Justin Herbert is a solid player, man. I'm not, I can't take anything away from Justin Herbert. So, a guy like that, if he's on, he's on, and he's gonna he he would torch us. But you know it is. It is what it is. I mean, well, you never really know. You can make these predictions all you really want, but the fact of the matter is, you don't know how the season's going to turn out. You know, I mean, I remember the season the Ravens went five, uh, like I think it was like five and eleven. Like I had a real thought that we would go like twelve and four or thirteen and three that year. But you know, you never know with with the NFL because teams that are supposed to be good could end up being the you know. Trash eaters and the teams that are supposed to be bad could end up being solid teams. And I want to get into a little bit of news that came out, I think it was about a month, month and a half ago. Uh, Lamar Jackson said in an interview that he's more focused on leg- legacy than a contract. Now, in my opinion, there's two ways you can look at this. Either that's him saying that he doesn't really care about the money he gets, he just wants to play us or that could also say he doesn't care if he resigns with us in the first place as long as he's winning so I mean that that's something that could be really concerning um I I think I'm reading too much into it I tend to do that a lot uh but uh, but you know I'm thinking way I'm probably thinking way too deep into it it is what it is though I mean I'm saying that a lot it is what it is it is what it is but, but but it's the truth, man. I mean, Lamar Jackson, I th- I think he is our franchise quarterback. There's no doubt in my mind that he is our franchise quarterback. I'm going through this a lot quicker than I thought, man. Jeez. Yeah, but I I think we re resigned Lamar. I think um, I mean, he's getting nowhere. He's not gonna get anywhere close to Patrick Mahomes' money. That's just not gonna happen. But um, and I'm not to say oh, it'd be nice. But I think it would if he really wants to win if he really wants this team to be successful in my opinion he'll take he'll he'll get paid regardless he's going to get paid regardless but i think for his best interest not not his best interest but just from the statement that he made of wanting to win worrying about legacy i think it would be more um i think it would be more beneficial for him if he took takes a little bit of a pay cut and um that way we can get other players other solid pieces to help out as time goes by Next is news from the warehouse. This is the Orioles news, obviously, uh, the warehouse. Okay, so it's Orioles' season so far. Current record, 24-52, and 52, not doing so great um, when I was you know first really th- starting to think about doing this podcast. Uh, Orioles were doing pretty solid for their season. I mean, they opened up the season of sweeping the Red Sox, which was great. And then we just started losing, man. We had one on like a 9 or 10 game uh, losing streak. So, I mean, it's unfortunate, but this team's in a rebuild, man. I mean, in a way, they took a step back from what they did last year in a shortened season. But at the same time, the players that are really starting to show and really want to show that you really want to see doing well are doing well. And speaking of which, let's get into the Orioles' standouts for the season. All stats are as of Friday, June 25th, so if you listen to this at a different date then and they're out of tune, then you listen to it too late. So let's first and foremost start with, in my opinion, he's the Orioles' MVP so far this season, Cedric Mullins. This guy, ever since he switched over to lefty only, has become an absolute menace to society on the baseball field. I mean, his stats are as follows. 313 batting average with 13 home runs, 26 RBIs with 538 slugging, 12 stolen bases, and he's top five in the league in hits. Now, this guy is like 5'8", 185 or something like that. And he is like, I believe he's second on the team in home runs. With, I think he had, with thirteen. Yeah, he uh, he's one behind Trey. And at this point, he's a four tool guy. I can't quite say he's a five tool because he doesn't have the arm talent. Cause I mean, because he doesn't have an absolute rocket launcher out there, uh, like a like a Joey Joey Gallo or Aaron Judge. Those are plus arms. But he, but he's a four tool guy. I mean, he does everything right in the field. He does everything right behind the plate. I mean, he he's good, man. He, he he. I think he not only is he the Orioles MVP. I think he's the biggest surprise for the Orioles as well, because the way this guy was really showing out the first couple of years that he was up in the majors, it wasn't looking good, man. It was not looking good. I mean, especially against uh, lefties. I mean, batting like I, th- I think I seen a stat was like one eighteen or something like that. So he was struggling, but. It's good to see him finally coming through. It's really good to see him uh, start developing. You know, he was talking about, talk about being the uh, successor to Adam Jones, and i really really start, starting to think he's filling out those shoes now. Next, starting pitcher John Means. Stats are he is 4-2 tw- in uh, 12, 12 starts, uh, 2.28 ERA in 71 innings pitched, 69 strikeouts. Nice and a .83 whip, and he had a no-hitter versus the Mariners. I think John Means is finally starting to turn into the pitcher that we all thought he was going to turn into last year. Um, best pitcher that I've ever seen. Now, I've only really, really been watching the Orioles since about, let's see, about, 2013 2014 so I didn't get to see any like the Mike Musinas I definitely didn't get to see a Jim Palmer you know I didn't get to see any of the 20 game winners but John Means is finally certain to become a guy that is an elite pitching talent he 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 is our ace he is what we thought Dylan Bundy was going to turn into he is what we thought um you got, like, Kevin Gossman was going to turn into Jake Arrieta. Like, even when Arrieta was with us, we had high hopes for the guy. And it just never turned out. Till he we went to the Cubs, and, like, every other pitcher that we've ever had does, they go to another team and turn out just like Josh Hader. So, I mean, it is what it is. I mean, John Means is our, the best pitcher that the Orioles have had since Wei and Chen. Completely honest. I mean, I know there was people that really liked Tillman, but he is... He was a average to below average pitcher at best. If I'm being completely honest, I mean, when he was on, he he had his hot moments, but other than that, it just that wasn't it, Jack. Next, Ryan Mountcastle, another guy that you really want to see develop. I mean, 24 years old. He's part of this rebuild. He's gonna. He's part of the Orioles' future. Uh, left field, first base. Uh, stats are as follows, 266 batting average, 12 home runs, 41 RBIs with a 298 on-base percentage. I mean, numbers that aren't blowing you out the water, but these are the kind of numbers you want to see from a developing guy. I mean, technically, he is still a rookie, and to be batting 266 with power like that and driving in runs, he, it, it's very important that he develops, and he's developing at a pretty at a pretty good pace. Um, he's a guy that's going to be here for a while, hopefully. Uh, hopefully Michael Lottis will do the right thing, get the guy in. But Ryan Malkassel, man, I'm, I'm excited for him. I've been excited for him for a few years, man. Ever since I really heard about him, heard about a stick. Uh, the only concern that we really have is defensively. Um, I think worst comes to worst, you turn him into a, being that this is an Orioles uh, podcast, a Chris Davis type back a few years ago, kind of like a DH only kind of role. Because if he can't develop in the field, I mean, he, he's been doing better in the field than he did last year. Uh, but I think uh, a guy like Ryan Mountcastle, he, he's definitely part of the future a- at the very least DH next, the return of Trey Mancini. I'm so happy for the guy though. Um, especially after last year going through what he was going through with uh, the cancer and all that. But I'm, I'm, I'm happy. He's back. I'm happy for him. And he's having a, Solid season, Trey Mancini type season. Uh, two sixty batter average, fourteen home runs, good enough to lead the team. Fifty two RBIs and a three thirty seven on base percentage, which is solid. Uh, I mean Trey Mancini is doing what Trey Mancini does, man. Solid player. Uh, I hope to see him in the be part of this up to when we're back and rebuilt. Uh, be really good to see, honestly, because a guy like Trey Mancini is so important to this team. Uh, just from a leadership standpoint and him as a person, I mean, it's so important that we keep a guy like Trey Mancini around because I mean, it's Trey Mancini. If you're an Orioles fan, if you've been around since this guy really came up, how are you not a Trey Mancini fan? Trey Mancini fan, you know, the guy's great. I mean, there's no other, I mean, he's the leader of this ball club. Like that's all. That's all I really have to say. I mean, he's the leader of this ball club through and through. Guy's great. And down to the downsides, the bad side of the Orioles. Uh, these are the guys that have been struggling this season for the Orioles. Uh, first and foremost, Dean Kramer, step up, bud. He is sitting at zero seven in twelve games. A 7.25 ERA in 49 and two-thirds innings pitched, 45 strikeouts, and a 1.61 whip. And it seems like every single time he's out there, he's struggling, man. I mean, he might have some solid moments. I mean, I've seen a few games with him. He's pitched solidly, but it's never enough to win. He's He doesn't have, at least not yet, that, that talent. You know, I mean, he he was a big name in the in the minor leagues. He was a big name. He was a big Orioles prospect. Uh, I kept I always kept hearing his name, Dean Kramer, Dean Kramer, Dean Kramer. But ever since he came up, it's been it's been rough. Next, I hate and I hate to say this, uh, outfielder Anthony Santander, uh, two thirty eight batting average, four home runs, seventeen RBIs, two seventy six on base percentage. Uh, Went from the Orioles MVP last year to just being, you know, a below-average player. I mean, he's still good enough. I mean, he's good enough to still be on this team, but he's 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 better than his stats say. Just as a player in the first place, he's better than what the stats, you know, show. And he needs to do better because he is better than. 238 for home run, 17 RBIs, and a below 300 on base percentage. So, I mean, I, I hope he picks it up. I hope he gets hot at some point and stays hot. You know, maybe he can find that magic that he had last year. Um, I'm still hoping for good things out of Anthony. You know, and at, even at the very least, make him a trade piece uh, maybe next year if he brings it back around. And lastly, for the Orioles Strugglers, and I'm going to be so passionate about this one, the Orioles' bullpen. Besides Paul Fry and Tanner Scott, the Orioles' bullpen has been absolutely atrocious. Now, for some reason, I couldn't find overall bullpen stats, but the amount of leads that this bullpen has given up, I mean... I forgot the exact game it was, but I believe we had, like, a five-run lead in the eighth against the Blue Jays, and we blew it. We blew it, and they beat us, not even in extra innings, but they beat us straight up. The Orioles' bullpen is absolutely atrocious, especially our closer. I forgot what his name is, but honestly, he's that irrelevant. He's, like, 38 years old and just throws ducks. That's all he throws. He throws right... (sighs) Like Valdez or something like that. I don't know. Uh, the guy, but the Orioles bullpen in general, besides Paul Fry and Tanner Scott, it, it's rough, man. It's rough. Um, I mean, I was lucky enough to go to the Orioles game uh, in the beginning of June on my birthday, it, it, it was a solid game. Uh, Got a Keegan Aiken start. Got to see um, Ryan Malcastle hit a homer to take the lead, and you know, it was it was fun. Um. Orioles bullpen did enough. I believe Paul Fry pitched that night to shut it out. So, um, but the Orioles bullpen, man, they need to step up. We either need that. That that is one thing I'm concerned about with the farm system, is that of all the prospects we have, we don't really have any relievers coming up. We we don't have a solid closer coming up. We don't have any like good middle inning guys that can you know, shut it down when necessary. We don't have any of those guys in our farm system, which is kinda of worrying. But, you know, we still got a few years left in this rebuild. Uh, in my opinion, I originally said two or three years to compete. Now I'm gonna be be anywhere between three and five. I think that, that that's my prediction. We'll start competing in three to five years, which is quite some time, but I think it'll be worth it. Now The thing to be excited about, uh, Orioles farm system that if you're an Orioles fan, that's what you really need to pay attention to. Um, I mean, it's great to watch the Orioles games. You know, it's still a fun time. You know, you can't go wrong watching baseball, but I think what you really should be excited about and you should really take time to do is pay attention to the minor leagues, pay attention to Bowie, pay attention to Aberdeen, pay attention to Frederick, um, pay attention to Delmarva because those are the guys that are part of the Orioles future. And the guys that I'm about to talk about now definitely are going to be part of the Orioles future. First and foremost, Adley Rutschman, the God. Sorry about Pete there, but I had Adley Rutschman man. them. Uh, I'll get into a little bit of a story time. Uh, after we go through some stats, uh, 287 batting average uh, f- uh with a 427 on-base percentage which is really good. Leads the uh Bay Sox with 11 home runs, 30 RBIs and a 535 slugging percentage. Dude's great, man. Dude rakes. And that's the one thing that he was struggling with when he first came into the league was uh hitting. But I think now that he has stepped it up a little bit, uh he he's really starting to show. I mean, he's he's been an MLB caliber ca- uh Catcher defensively, since he was drafted. I mean, he could have walked on the field as an Oriole in the majors right away defensively, but the bat wasn't there, man. Like even in spring training, like even as early as this year, man. It, even I mean, even as late as this year, it was the bat wasn't there. But now he's really starting to develop, and it's really it's really fun to see. Next, DL Hall also double A Bowie this season, two uh, zero in seven. In seven and in, No, in seven games. Uh, 3.13 ERA. Uh, 31 and two-thirds innings pitched. 56 strikeouts and a 1.01 whip. Man, this guy. This guy's got a rockin' launcher. This guy is nasty. Nasty, 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 nasty. I mean, he, he's got some control issues. I will admit that. I will admit that. He does have some control issues. But the guy throws... Gas, gasoline, gasoline. This dude rips it. I mean, this is the guy that I really wanted to see. In, I'm um, because I got the chance to go see, go to um Bowie Bay Sox game to watch some of the players play. I'll get like like I said about Adley. I'll get into that later. Um. But, dude, I I can't say enough good things about uh, DL Hall. Um, I mean, obviously he's got some control issues. I'm not gonna lie about that. But I think he's going to become a very solid player. He's going to be he he he's gonna be he he's gonna be a major. He's gonna be a major league pitcher. He's gonna be with us. I know I'm repeating myself. I know I'm stuttering. I do that a lot. But you know, we'll get better as we go. But D.L. Hall, man. D.L. Hall is nasty. Next, Grayson Rodriguez, even though he's from Texas. But another here or there. And this is with uh, single a single-A Aberdeen and double-A Bowie. 5-0 uh, in nine games, 1.88 ERA. Less than two runs a game, folks. Less than two runs a game. Where was I at? and in 43 innings pitch, 68 strikeouts with a .79 whip. And funny story, if you paid attention to Bay Sox Twitter, which you should, that's another thing you should do. Go to Twitter. Go to Instagram. Follow the minor league team so you can pay attention. Just do it. Just do it, my guy. Do it. Fix your life if you're an Oils fan and do it. And that really goes with anybody, man. Anybody that is in a rebuild uh, cause I I know I'm I'm not mainly making this for Baltimore sports fans, but I'm but obviously there's gonna be big emphasis on Baltimore sports because it's called the Muscle on Russell podcast. In case you didn't know, that's Russell Street, baby. So, <laughs> but yeah, uh, that goes for anybody, man. Anybody that's in a rebuild, follow your minor league teams, follow who your prospects are, cause those are the guys that you really want to pay attention to. These guys are going to be the future of your team, so pay attention while you can. But uh, Grayson Rodriguez. Uh, but funny story with Grayson Rodriguez. He, uh, if you, were pay- <laughs> I'm running around the circles again. Uh, if you paid attention to Baysox Twitter, Grayson Rodriguez tore a hole through Adley Rutschman's glove in the netting throwing a 99-mile-an-hour fastball. Tore a hole through his glove. A catcher's glove that is meant to catch fastballs like that. He ripped it. My guess at that wasn't even so much of the fastball speed itself. I think it was would be more along the lines of the spin rate. It's got to be nasty to do that, man. But Grayson Rodriguez, man. The, those three guys, Adley, DL, and Grayson, pay attention to them, man. Those guys are the future of the Orioles. I know we got some other guys in the system that you should really pay attention to. Uh, Taron Vavra comes to mind. But the main three you need to pay attention to, and um, Heston Kerstad, of course. But the th- I think the three you need to really pay attention to are Grayson Rodriguez, DL Hall, and Adley Rushman. Now, story time. Uh, I got to go to a Bay Sox game. Uh, I think it was like the 20-something, 20-something, May, uh, May 20-something, or 30-something, something like that. And, uh, it was a doubleheader because the game, the, the game I was really supposed to go to got rained out the night before, it was a Saturday, so I had to go Sunday during the day. They did another doubleheader. They only do seven inning doubleheaders there, but it's still pretty cool. interesting. Uh, first, let's talk about Adley. Dude raked the entire game. Between the two games, he went five for six with two home runs and seven RBIs. Now, admittedly, that's 14 innings of baseball, but still. Dude rakes the bat. He killed the balls. I mean, like, both home runs, they weren't, like, scratching the surface of the wall. They were clean over it. Like, there was no point whatsoever where you didn't think it was going. And D.L. Hall, man. This is the point I was making when I said he throws gasoline. (laughs) He was sitting anywhere between 94 to 97 on his fastball. And at one point, he threw 101 on his fastball. Let me say that again. 101. Oh, one. I mean he's not at like Degrom levels of consistency with that kind of speed, but sitting ninety four to ninety seven on your fastball, you can't complain about that, man. Uh, he went five. He he went five innings, one hit, three walks. There's your control issue. Uh, but striking out eight. Uh, but that that's why I'm so excited about this about this team's future, man. I mean, it's. It's gonna. It, it, obviously, it is a process. It's still going to be a process until we finally compete in three to five years from now. Because I think that's our window. Um. But, you know, it's. But like I said, pay attention to the minor league teams, man. Orioles fans, pay attention to the minor league teams. Detroit, I don't know how your farm system is, but pay attention to your minor league teams too. Miami, any teams that are really in a rebuild or even like, I can't actually know. Your middle of the road teams are actually in a worse spot than your teams that are in the bottom of the barrel right now. Because, in my opinion, teams at the bottom of the barrel have have it better off than teams that are mediocre. Because mediocre teams, you can't really get a high enough pick to make a difference, but your pick isn't low enough to show that you're successful. So, it's a double-edged sword. It's either suck or be good. There's no in-between. If you're in-between, you're in a bad spot. And in, in my opinion. In my opinion. In my opinion, doesn't matter. Next, the Red Alert Capitals news. Um... Yikes. <laughs> yikes. That's all I have to say is yikes. Um, Caps eliminated in the first round by Boston 4-1. to one. Um, Not so happy about that, man. Not happy about it at all. I mean, it... But, you know, it's... Uh, I've been saying this since it happened. Especially the fact that they fired him literally right after we won the Stanley Cup. Why did you fire Barry Trotz? Why did you do it? I don't see why you did that. I would have done anything in my power to keep him as my coach. Barry Trotz was so good for us, and obviously he's a good coach because you see what he's doing with the Islanders now. But let's get into the two things that really tilted me. It tilted me, tilted. So the 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 main one that really got me was the Jacob or Jacob Vrana trade. (laughs) About to say, the Caps front office man—they can re-sign players pretty well, but when it comes to trades, this ain't it, my boy. This ain't it, my boy. This ain't it. They trade him, Jacob Rana and Richard Ponick, a 2021 first round pick and a 2022 fifth round pick, for Anthony Mantha from Detroit. Mantha was doing nothing with Detroit for a couple of years, and then he came to the Capitals, and I did nothing. He did nothing, nothing whatsoever. He didn't do a thing. He he wasn't good for us. He wasn't. He was struggling in um. I should have got some stats down, damn it. But he wasn't doing nothing in uh, Detroit either. But, I mean, it's... It, it, that one sucked, man, because I think Vrana was really part of our future. Vrana was turning into what Burakovsky didn't turn into while he was with us. He's turning into that now with the Avs, but he, Vrana was really turning into what Burakovsky was supposed to be for the Capitals. With speed. He was the, one of the he Vrano's one of the fastest players in the NHL. And you're going to trade a guy like that that is an import, that would be an important part of our future to continue striving for success having a guy like that really sucks, man. And then this is a rumor. I don't know how true it is cuz it was on Tw- I haven't had any official notifications come through from the NHL or the Capitals in general, but I've seen this on Twitter. There was also a trade with involving Evgeny Kuznetsov. The trade apparently is Evgeny Kuznetsov, Daniel Sprong, whoever that is, a 2021 second round pick and a 2023 first round pick for Matthew Tkachuk or Tkachuk or whatever. I I don't know. I'm not I'm I'm not going names folks. Um from Calgary. Um, I I like Kuznetsov, but I know there was like a struggle between Kuznetsov and the Capitals. So I don't really know how to feel about it. Um, I, I'm not com I'm not that well versed in NHL players, so I don't know how good to Chuck is. I don't even know who Daniel Strong is, but the trade away of the first round picks, what are we doing? I mean, I know we have, we always have high first round, I mean, low first round picks, but it still sucks giving away first-round picks, man. In consecutive years of that, I mean, not consecutive because we still have next year's. But still, 2021 and 2023, both of our first-round picks are gone. So I'm not, I'm not understanding that whatsoever. Now, in my opinion, let's get into what I think the Capitals need. In my opinion, I think the Capitals need a goalie, a goalie. A goalie, the guy that stands in the net, we need one of those. A goalie. I know a lot of the Capitals fans are probably like, oh, Emilia Samsonov, Samsonov. Like, I was not impressed by him this season. I wasn't impressed by either of our goalies, man. Because it seems like a lot of the times, like, it's the same same thing with the Orioles bullpen. We were giving up a lot of leads, like, late in the games, man. Always seemed like third period magic would come through, and then we'd end up losing those games. And another. uh, I'm looking at this now because I wrote, I wrote a script. Not not a script, but like a like bullet points to kind of get to with the podcast. Um, you can tell by all the ums but that this is not completely scripted. <laughs> but I essentially said we need everything. not ev- But not everything, but I think obviously goalie. That's the big one that's driving me nuts. Uh, point getters in general. I mean, guys that can... Because at this point, now the koozie's gone. We got Nicholas Backstrom for the Apples. Who else? Lars Eller. He's a third-line centerman. That's it. That's it. Third-line center. That's it. And, you know... I feel like Oshie doesn't score as much as he should be. Tom Wilson is not a scorer, he's an enforcer, which I like the guy. You know, he's a bad man. Bad man. He's a bad man. Bad man. No 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 the no. bad man. Tom Wilson's a bad man, but he's not he's not a point getter. I mean, and it's like I feel like that's another thing caps are missing out on because the fact we have to rely on Alex Ovechkin for every bit of our scoring—that's not fair to him, man. I mean, I know he wants—he wants to be the one scoring, and he should be the one scoring. But he it, taking that weight off his shoulders would probably benefit the entire team because obviously, if we score more, then we'd win more. It's that simple. With a combination of goalies and point getters, we score more and we keep goals from going in. One would think that'd be a smart concept. I don't know. I monkey. And also some defensive help, because who do we have besides John Carlson and Dimitri Orloff? Who else? Now, once again, folks, I'm not very well versed in hockey in general, so I'm not really good with statistics, hockey. But in my opinion, the only two that are really notable on the Capitals or Don Carlson. And Dimitri Orlov. I don't know how the other guys were. Oh, Kempney. 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 Sorry I spiked again. Kempney. Kempney was... Kempney's solid. Kempney's solid. Kempney is solid. I was glad when we re-signed him. But other than those three, who we got? Who we got? Name someone. Siegenthaler? No. Stop it. Stop it. So, those are the Caps needs, I think. as the Caps in general. Not too much to talk about. They're not... They're a good team in the regular season, can't execute in the postseason. So, but I think out of those three, gun to my head, out of those three, the thing I think we mainly need is a goalie, because I know Braden Holby struggled this season with. Where's he at? Vancouver now, I think he's with Vancouver. I know he kind of struggled with Vancouver, but in all honesty, I think I would have taken Braden Holby, and signing Braden Holby. Or Nicholas Backstrom. I said what I said. Now, before I get in trouble, let's get into some general sports talk. Okay, so the general sports talk. First, let's get into the big one. MLB pitchers' foreign substance. Now, the MLB's, MLB's cracking down on this foreign substance that these players are using, which I heard was rosin, sunblock, and sweat—a combination of those three. Now, in Trevor Bauer's example, which was just rosin and sweat, the ball was sticking to his hand. He had his hand flat and was sticking. He wasn't cupping it with his hand. It was just sticking. So, it's – and these pitchers are claiming that they're injured. Like uh, Tyler Glasnow or Glasnow. I never know how to say his name. Glasnow, Glasnow. I heard it both ways. But Tyler Glasnow, that's how I'm going to say it, Glasnow. Uh, Tyler Glass now, Mister Nasty, Mister Nasty Curveball, um, said that he got picked up his injury from stop using the stuff. I mean, it could be something else besides um, rosin, sweat, and uh, pine tar. I mean, sunblock could be pine tar in there too, but you know that I. But pitchers are claiming they're going to get hurt from it for having to change how they grip the ball, apparently. Because I, I know that does make a difference. Because if you grip harder, then you're putting more strain on your forearm. But here, here's my thoughts on it. See, I understand that a lot of people, they want more offense so the game can grow. I get it. I, I get it. I get it. I get it. I get it. But I'm a quote-unquote kind of, I'm kind of like a hybrid old-school Baseball fan with a new school baseball fan kind of feel. Uh, So I enjoy seeing pitchers deal. I enjoy seeing absolutely disgusting pitches. I enjoy it. I enjoy seeing pitchers deal because I I think it's fun. I think it's fun watching a pitcher just go off. You know, just throwing nasty curveballs, nasty sliders all over the place. 102 mile an hour fastballs. I love a good pitcher. But I understand home runs and, you know, no doubters are the name of the game now. So here are my thoughts on it. And I know a lot of people are going to disagree with me because it's going to go against, you know, improving the offense of the league. But here, here's what I think. So MLB hitters have multiple different things that they get to use to help improve their grip on the bat. Because that's important, whether you realize it or not. Uh, it's important. So, they have like, they get to use the pine tar. They have the gloves. They have like that stick-on spray that they put on there. They have a, They have different substances they can put on their bats and their gloves to help them out. Here's an idea. Why not give the pitchers a couple of those too? Now, I'm not saying, you know, load them up with steroids or give them, stick them like the NFL players did back in the day. But let them have a couple of substances they can use, man. I mean, I think overall it would be better for the game in the first place because people that grew up on baseball. Now, I understand the young audience wanting to see the home run and stuff like that, but people that truly, truly, really appreciate baseball love to see good pitching. So, I think it would be important for pitchers to do nasty stuff and players to also smack the ball. Because all, all it is now is about spin rate, exit velocity, and, you know, angle. So, I like... As much as they would be throwing nasty stuff, you know the players will still be hitting home runs because that's just where the league's going. See the what the MLB should do is this: because everybody knows they were juicing the ball last season. Let's be completely honest. Everybody knows they were juicing the ball last season. Why not bring that juiced ball back and then still allow the pitchers to use a couple of different substances to help them out? Because if it if it truly does help with injuries, why why end it? You know, if that, if that ends up being an actual topic of conversation, then maybe go with it. Like, maybe let them use the stuff or let them put a little bit of pine tar on their fingers to use or on the glove. You know, let let them use, you know, sunscreen to help them out. Let, because, because all the rosin bag is doing is drying your hand out. That's That's not good enough. You know, because that can help you grip it, but it's not going to help any spin motion. But the MLB is going to do what the MLB wants to do. They want more hits. They want more home runs. They want the younger crowd to get into it, which I get it. I understand for the good of the game, that's what they need to do. Next, in general sports talk, Jacob freaking DeGrom. Oh, my God. So... Let's get into this man's stats for a minute. 7-2 and in and 12, and you know those two losses weren't his fault. I'm going to save that for last. 117 strikeouts. 10 walks. 10 in 12 games. 10. 10 in 72 innings pitched. And his batting average against is one point is a he has a 113 batting average against and his era dog his era his era are you ready for this come close listen to me when i say this point 50 era 0. .50 era are you kidding me Jacob DeGrom is a monster of a man. You cannot tell me he has not been the best pitcher in the MLB at least for the past three or four years. At least the last three or four years. Jacob DeGrom is just absolutely nasty. And on top of that, this man is hitting over 400. Hitting over 400. Now, admittingly, this is only in 27 at-bats, but he's still a pitcher. There are pitchers that have similar at-bat numbers and batten like 121 if they're lucky. There are some pitchers that are batting below 100. Screw the Mendoza line, man. Just drop it even more. But Jacob DeGrom, man, I mean, I, I – at some point in my life – I want to go watch Jacob DeGrom absolutely deal. I w- I'll go see it. Even if the Orioles are the victim. Because that's what you are when you face Jacob DeGrom. You're not a baseball player. You are a victim of the man. You become a victim. That That's exactly what you become. You become a victim. You are his child now. Go to your room. That's what it is when you face Jacob DeGrom. You are a child. You become a little league again. Like... Jacob DeGrom is on the next level of pitcher. Speaking of the next level of pitcher, the next guy I want to talk about, and I know this point has been running to the ground because everybody's talked about him, but Shohei Otani, man, the ability for him to do both, bat and pitch well, is insane to me. Nothing I've ever seen. Nothing a lot of people have ever seen. I mean, you've had... <laughs> this isn't the 1920s anymore, dude. You don't have Babe Ruth in there batting over 300, smacking the ball over the ballpark. I mean, Shoei Otani's on a different level too, man. First, let's get into his pitching stats. He's 3-1 and in 11 games. Now, admittedly, the... the The Angels don't give him any help, man. Since Mike Trout's not there, who else is there, dude? Besides Shohei Otani and Mike Trout, who else do the Angels have batting-wise? Rendon? I mean, he's solid. He's good. But not enough to really help the team out enough to put him over the edge. One player in baseball can't put the team over. You need everything. But back to 3-1 in 11 games. Uh, 2.58 ERA, 82 strikeouts, five and one-thirds innings pitch, and a 1.18 whip. Dude is a monster on the mound. I mean, just not only is he good on the – he would have been a good pitcher by, it, by himself. He'd have been a good fielder by himself with the bat in his hand, a good outfielder. But the ability to be good at both at the same time is absolutely insane to me. Insane. Because you might grow up playing pitcher – and hitting at the same time in your Little League. But eventually, if you're good enough to start getting scouted for MLB or even colleges, they tell you to specialize in one thing, man. They don't tell you to keep going. And then the batting stats. .269 batting average. 24 home runs. That's third in the MLB. A pitcher is the has the third highest amount of home runs in the MLB. Are you joking? 55 RBIs, 10 stolen bases. 10. 10. Oh, by the way, just to go back to um, Cedric Mullins. Leads the team with uh, 12 steals. I believe 12. Yeah, back to 10 stolen bases. Show you, a tiny, Uh 343 on base percentage and a 534 slugging percentage. What is going on with the man? what is going on with the man? Dude's nuts. Dude is nuts. That's another guy I want to see. I mean, put Shohei Otani and Jacob DeGrom on the same team, I would and let them victimize the Orioles. I just want to see it happen. Let them victimize them. I really don't care. I want to see them both play. They're great. They're great, man. I mean, and how beneficial it would be for the MLB and the teams for more guys to be able to do what Shohei Otani does would be – leaps and bounds worth it because that's a raw that that gives you an extra roster spot for either an extra pitcher or an extra utility guy on the bench because if you can get a guy that can do that can pitch and hit that's one less roster spot that way you don't have to have another pitcher or another hitter up there you don't have to have another pitcher up there because you have a guy that can do both so you can have another hitter up there or you can bring up an extra reliever or something you know it's it's worth it for a guy to be able to do both, but it's extremely hard. It's extremely hard to just do one, but to be able to do both, disgusting. And I will get into this last topic, but I think I'm gonna save it for a little mini episode. So, um, I think I'm gonna call it for this episode. Um, I know I kind of rushed through it, but I know I, I've been recording for almost an hour. Though it doesn't even feel like it. Doesn't even feel like that. I've been sitting here for over an hour trying to record. Um, but yeah, uh, rate and review me on whatever you can. Um, I'm pretty much on almost everything. Um, I don't think I'm on Stitcher, but I'm on, I know I'm on like, uh, like I, t- like, um, Apple podcasts. I know I'm on Spotify cause, uh, anchor.fm is a Spotify company. Uh, yeah, but, uh, yeah. But uh, rate and review, uh, like and subscribe, uh, do loop-de-loop and pull because your shoes are looking cool. (laughs) I don't know how to do an outro, man. I don't know how to do an outro. Um, And if this sounds like garbage, I don't care. I'm not re-recording an hour worth of content. It's not going to happen. It's too late to apologize. It's too late. I'm starting to lose it now. I'm, I'm I'm running out. I'm running out of steam. Running out of tracks. Starting to you know go nuts. But uh, yeah, follow me on Instagram and Twitter at m o m o r pod underscore, and uh, follow me on all the other stuff that you're gonna find this podcast on. I'm gonna try to promote it, and I doubt there's gonna be really listeners, but I'm gonna try to do it anyway. Hopefully. <laughs> By the way, if you're part of my family or any adults that are listening to it, uh, don't hate me. I'm just doing this for fun. And hopefully maybe build something. I don't know yet. We'll find out. But, yeah. I think I'm going to end this episode here. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, rate and review me. Again. Uh, tell your friends. Uh, share me around. You know. Put the word out. I'm trying to build something here, man. I'm trying to build a little community. I want, want some uh, Want some feedback as well. Um, get at me on like a Twitter and Instagram. Uh, if you got questions, because I would love to have a little uh, question sec- q- uh, Q&A sec- section at the end. I can't speak. It's 2 o'clock in the morning. I can't talk. But I would love to have a little uh, Q&A session at the end of each episode, just answering questions of whatever you guys want. Even if I don't know it, I'll do some research on it and give you my thoughts on it. Even if I'm not well-versed on it, I'll look it up anyway. <laughs> but thank you guys so much for watching. This has been Episode 1 of the Muscle on Russell podcast. I'm Josh, and I have been your host for this episode. And I will see you guys next time. Remember, rate and review me. Uh, Spread the word. We'll see you guys in the next episode. Uh, Bye-bye.